This morning, we're continuing through our series called Discovering Your Yearly Rhythms, right? The first Sunday, we talked about getting ready financially. It's the whole idea of you're going to spend all your money in January, right? That you have a plan for your money going into 2022. And then uh, last Sunday, we talked about relationships, that the Lord has blessed us with relationships near and, and clo- far and wide. And uh, we want to steward those and, and coming up with a plan for like, how do we how do we treasure those relationships through 2022? And this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about getting ready to celebrate. Right? Did you know that you need to plan to celebrate? I mean, these days, you definitely got to plan to celebrate, right? I mean, I, if, I, if I get out of bed and take a shower, I'm like slapping high fives. I'm like, we did it. Like it's, nothing can be taken for granted. If my wife and I, if we make it through a week without arguing about something trivial, is it just, I just feel like the most trivial things are arguing about these days. And we're just like, get your cold cuts, get your cold cuts, right? Just got to, we did it, baby. Like, yes, just always. Because sometimes life can be hard, right? Life is hard right now. Like, you go to Wendy's, they don't have lettuce. Like, what happened to lettuce at Wendy's? And, and just doing menial tasks like getting gas and, and uh, grocery shopping is like more difficult. And then just regular things happen in life. And the ice maker, I mean, things still break. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm getting back in bed. Like this is too, too challenging. And it's just, that's why we want to celebrate. Ecclesiastes 3, we're going to look at God's word. And we're going to see how do you practically build celebration? How do you plan to celebrate? And uh, we're going to look at three subpoints this morning. We're going to look at uh, one, life is hard. Won't need to spend much time on that one. And then two, right? Even though life is hard, we still long for life to be better, which is kind of weird, but we do. And then three, uh, celebrate. So let's talk about this first one, life is hard. If you don't have a devotional, grab one of those at the back. Grab, grab God's word. We're talking about yearly rhythms. You want to get into a yearly rhythm of getting into God's word every day. And those devotionals, they help you do that. Let's look at verses 1 to 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot what was planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and like the great Kevin Bacon said, a time to dance, right? Ecclesiastes is in the... Old Testament. Ecclesiastes is considered wisdom literature. It's written by a guy named Solomon, and Solomon is one of the wisest people in the world. You go to 1 Kings, the God of Scripture comes to Solomon and says, hey, Solomon, you can have anything you want, anything you want, money, intellect, power. What do you want? I'll give it to you. I mean, imagine what that would be like for you. You could have all the money of Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Imagine you could have Billie Eilish just sing you a song. Put me to sleep, Billie. Sing me a song, right? Just have all the intellect of Jeopardy. You just know everything. Imagine if you had that opportunity and Solomon asked for wisdom. So that Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 to 8 is a collection of his wisdom. This language, a time to kill, heal, tear down, build up, war, peace, love, hate. They're not meant to be pretty words. He's not trying to be poetical. 
Right? The birds in 1965, they turned it into a song. To every season, turn, turn. It's not meant to be a song. Solomon's looking at life, and he's making the observation that life is hard. Write that in your notes. Life is exhausting. People are born, yay! People die. Right? We have peace, great. And then there's war. You fall in love, the best thing ever and then relationships fall apart you get a vaccine you still get sick right is he like what life is hard I mean have you noticed my son and I we made this observation just looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that you 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 work on life and you can't ever kind of get to cruise control Like if you work out really hard for three weeks, you can't expect that to carry you for the rest of the year. No, you got to work out every week for the rest of your life. It's like life is hard. You clean up the house. Doesn't it feel so good? Everything gets clean and orderly. That lasts like 30 minutes, right? Things start breaking down again. It's just life is hard. Good morning. Welcome to North Village Church. It's the kind of encouragement you get here. All right. Now, we don't need to spend a lot of time on that one. You're convinced, right? Let's look at our second some point. We long for life to be better. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon is going to draw out this interesting tension in life where humanity acknowledges life is hard. There are very few people who are going to disagree. Life is hard, and yet we have this same theme throughout humanity is that we somehow want life to be better. Look at verses 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes 3 says, What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given to the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. So verse 9, Solomon asks, what's the profit? He's asking, what's the point? Verse 10, people have tasks We have things to occupy ourselves. Look at that phrase, verse 10. You go to work, you mow a yard, you clean the room, you change a diaper, you get some homework done, you make your bed. Why? You just wake up, do it again tomorrow, every day, over and over. And yet humanity does this. That's what he's making it like. Why, why, why do you see this pattern in humanity? We build a house, the storm tears it down. We rebuild the house, knowing full well that another storm may tear it down. Why does humanity do this? What's the point? He answers the question, verse 11. He, that's God, has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from beginning even to the end. In verse 11, we see the answer. In verse 11, you see the God of Scripture has set eternity in the hearts of humanity. So that this is weird tension that we acknowledge life is hard, And yet, within all of humanity, we want life to get better. This language set eternity in their hearts. It's a a poetical reference of Genesis 1 and 2. Solomon's Solomon's making the observation that 
that all of humanity has the fingerprints of God all over him, all over her, so that within the hearts of humanity, there's this, there's this consistent pattern of wanting to keep going. Be optimistic to, to persevere. There's a Canadian missionary in the 1950s named uh, Don Richards, and, and he made the observation that when you go around to different cultures of the world, you, you see that pattern, that theme of, of, of wanting to make things better all, all around the world. Have you noticed that? I mean, think about humanity just in general. We don't just build a shelter to have a roof. Like, we make a home. We decorate. We want to improve. We want to clean it up. We want to put little stories on the wall and paint signs. So this is, this is our, we make a, it's not just a shelter. It's a, it's a home, right? We want to improve it. We don't just eat food. We have to eat food every day. But we start thinking about how can I make it better? How can I, what if I added some pepper? What if I kind of put some oil in there? What if I, what if I, oh, and then like throughout humanity, we're just oh, like, did you taste that? We, we want to improve. Like we, when we play games, we, we don't just play a game to entertain ourselves. We want to win. We want to get better, right? I mean, if you look at homeless people in our city, they don't, they don't have a home. They just don't, I mean, for the most part, just fall down and go to sleep, right? They start making a little area for themselves, they start collecting things, have a little centerpiece, and like, they start making a home. This is a pattern you see throughout all of humanity. Why is that? It's because God has set eternity in our hearts. We want to get better. We want to grow stronger. We want to learn. We want to improve. And this is what sets humanity apart from the rest of creation. Young people, listen to me. Like right now, your school, your TikToks, they're going to teach you humans and animals are basically the same. That's just going to be the predominant theme where we're like, look, see, humans are living out their animalistic instincts. See how they're basically the same. Humans and chimpanzees, like, have you, their genome sequence is like 96% similar. See, they're basically the same. Like, I love chimpanzees and all, but like, I'm looking at chimpanzees and I'm looking at human beings and I'm just like, I don't know what that 4% does, but that 4% makes a big difference. When you look at humanity, like there are some similarities between animals and humans, but we're not the same. Like elephants mourn when other elephants die, but it's, it's not the same. Like, I mean, how many times have we come across a beaver working on his dam and thinking, you know what, next year I'm going to really expand on this, right? Other beavers kind of gathering around. You're like, you know what, Chuck, if you kind of move that piece right there, you could really get some leverage so that next year you could double your output. Like, you don't, it doesn't happen. It's the same damn every year. I didn't say that differently. I said it. <laughs> That's what beavers do. You don't see birds flying through the air and then go, you know what, Charlie, if you really, if you spin that, you could really, like, you would really impress Sarah over there. Like, they just fly. Because animals and humans are not the same. Because God has set eternity in their hearts. Write that in your notes. Look at our third subpoint. Celebrate. You ready to celebrate? Verses 12 and 13. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks 
sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. Solomon's conclusion, celebrate. If we just stopped at verses 1 to 11, I mean, we would all leave a little depressed this, this morning and be like, so glad I came to North Village Church. But 12, 13 remind us, oh, we need to celebrate. We need to see good in all his labor. Yes, life is hard. Yes, we're weird. We're going to try to make it better. Therefore, we need to celebrate as much as we can. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean drunkenness, right? It doesn't mean eat, drink, tomorrow we die. It's not just go crazy. It's to acknowledge there are good things in life. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. And so we want to plan we want to set ourselves up to see those good things. We can't change the past. We can't control the future. We can't slow down or speed up the revolutions of our planet around the sun. Like we, we, to extend the years. We just can't. This is what it is. So celebrate. This is what makes our event on January 22nd so important, especially right now. Right now, everything takes a little more effort a little more effort to get groceries, a little more effort to fly on a plane, a little more effort to come to a worship service on a Sunday morning. Do I have sniffles? Should I wear a mask? Should I talk to somebody not wearing a mask? What do I, like it's just, like there's a part of our brain and emotions that just, it's a little bit more difficult. That's why we need to celebrate. It'd be so easy to get grumpy during this season. It'd be, it'd be so easy to get cynical during this season. God's word teaches us to celebrate. The deadline has passed, right? You can't sign up. If you haven't already, you can't sign up, but you can still take this book. We have them out in the, in the foyer and just walk through it on your own and, and build into your year a plan to celebrate. Listen, if you're in your 30s and younger, if you're a teenager, you probably don't think this is that important. You're like, why, why, why should I celebrate? Like, what's the, what's the big deal? Our culture kind of helps you celebrate. When you're, when you're younger, that yay, you graduated school. Yay, you got a job. Yay, you got married. Yay, you had a baby. But around 30, 35, the applause stops. The parties stop. I mean, maybe if you defeat cancer, people will applaud again. But other than that, like, you could go 50 years without any applause, without any parties. That's why you want to plan. You want to, even as a young person, please don't ignore God's word. God's word is, this is not like a self-help program. God's word is teaching us, celebrate, plan to celebrate. I have met pastors in their 60s and they've been worn down by the hardships of life and their overwhelming message is, I just want to retire and get away from people. Right? I mean, they're on the front lines with people. They're seeing that, that hardship with people every day. And their mentality is, I just want to get away. I mean, that, look, that challenge isn't just for pastors. That's for all of us. We would be naive to think that we could navigate a pandemic and that not affect us. Not affect our marriage, not affect our relationship with our children, not affect our relationship with Jesus, not affect our relationship with one another. Yes, it's absolutely affecting us. Therefore, plan to celebrate. In my life, practically, 
We'll do this on January 22nd. We'll plan out, just practically, we'll plan out vacations for 2022. I mean, sometimes we'll plan out like three to five years in advance. We, you know, we're on a budget. Like, we can't just go fly off on a whim. And so, but what that does is when you start planning for a vacation, you start doing some research. You start building anticipation. You start getting excited about that vacation. You plan to celebrate. We plan out birthdays. We'll come here on January 22nd. We'll think through, like, what birthdays do we want to celebrate this year? Did you know, this is mind-blowing, birthdays come around the same day every year. Did y'all know that? Yeah, yeah, write that down. You're not going to get that just anywhere. So you don't have to, like, wing it. Oh, I forgot. It's coming. And so you can plan accordingly to celebrate birthdays. We look for key events and milestones in our lives. Like, what could we celebrate? Did a kid sleep through the night? Potty training? Get a new dog? Did you start something? Did you finish something? Did you accomplish a goal? Career? Financial? Celebrate. Listen to me, men. Please don't push this off as like, that's what the, that's what the wife does. Please don't reduce this to balloons and streamers and say, I'm not, I'm not that person. It's not about balloons and streamers. It's about a calendar. It's literally God's word calling you to take 30 minutes to plan out the rest of the year and build in some celebration. In my job, I set aside time every week to celebrate. I'm a pastor. I finish our worship service on a Sundays, and I have like a dozens of things that we could have done better. Just like we didn't talk to that person, we missed that note, I said that wrong tense, we missed that slide. And it would be so easy just to think about all the things that didn't happen on a Sunday morning. And can you imagine if you do that every Sunday for a year? Like that's gonna mess with your heart. And so I set aside time to say, no, 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 what are the good things that we can celebrate? Somebody was prayed for. Somebody was healed. Somebody served in a way they've never served before. A new person showed up. An an older person returned. These two people were connecting for the first time. And, and, And I literally can feel my body like lightning, like getting lighter as I'm reminded of his goodness and not just focusing on the hardships. Set aside time to celebrate. You have holidays. It's not rocket science. Holidays. Our culture helps us celebrate. So, I mean, what are you going to do for Martin Luther King Day? Celebrate. What are you going to do for Good Friday? What are you going to do for the 4th of July? Sometimes our 60s and 70-year-olds will tell me, this celebrating stuff, that's good for you, you younger folk, but it's too late for me. It's never too late to celebrate. No matter what age you are, you want to build celebration into your life. Our family, we do a memory jar. Our family kind of makes fun of the memory jar now, right? Throughout the year, we put things in the memory jar. And then usually when dad does something stupid, it's like, oh, great, let's put that in the memory jar, right? And then we'll go to La Madeline at the end of the year and we'll, we'll pull out like memories from that year. And you know, every, we've done this for years, every time. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. And the Lord's reminding us to see his goodness, celebrate. You can build celebration into your meal. You ever think about that sometimes when you pray before a meal? Young people, you ever like, why do you pray before a meal? 
Like, God going to curse it? If you don't pray before a meal, it turn into poison? Like, what is this? What a weird tradition. Why we pray? You know what Romans 1 teaches? You pray before your meal, say thank you. To celebrate. Just to acknowledge, like, food appeared before you, didn't have to. Thank you. Right? Somebody planted a seed. Somebody tilled that soil. Somebody watered it. The Lord dropped rain and sun to grow it. Somebody harvested it. Somebody put it on a truck. A truck driver drove it to an HEB. A cashier sold it. Somebody prepared it. Thank you. All your every prayer before a meal can just be a prayer of celebration. Sometimes I hear our men say, well, I can't think of any new ways to celebrate. Michael, you, you took them all. And I don't want my wife to think I'm just doing your, your ideas. You think I made these up? I stole them from somebody else also. Like, take them. Make them better. Let's steal from each other. doesn't matter where they come from. The point is, celebrate. Let's end with the gospel. Let's remind us of Jesus. Look at verses 14 and 15. He says, I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it. There is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which has been already and that which will be has already been. For God seeks what has already passed by. Verse 15 is a little hard to understand. Here's a different translation. It says that which has been already and that which will be has already been for God makes the same things happen over and over again. This is going to lead us to the gospel because we could look at the hardships of life and we could think to ourselves, why did the God of scripture make it that way? Why did he make it so that hard things happen over and over and over again? Why? Why? Did you ever want Why? Why didn't he make it perfect? He did. He did make life perfect. It's called Genesis 1 and 2. Right? We rejected that. Humanity rejected that in our sin. That's Genesis 3. And from Genesis 3, verse 15, he has set out to restore, to redeem, and to reclaim what rightfully belongs to him. Yeah, that's the gospel. And until that time, that's what verse 15 is teaching us, that until, until he's finished, until we're face to face with him, he has designed life in such a way that there's going to be a cycle, that there's going to be a hardship, that there's going to be ups and downs, right? It's going to happen over and over and over again. And it is a means of his grace to draw us to himself. Does that make sense? Right, the, 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 the hard things in life, it's not what he wanted. We rejected what he wanted. And so in his love, he's made life, right? But he said, that's what, 14 and 15, before the foundations of the world, he's planned life in such a way that the hardships would be a means of grace to draw us to himself. It's kind of like with parenting. Whether you've been a child or you have children, think about life in this way. Like when you have children, like you're trying to help them grow in life, right? And, and, and so you're trying to set up these opportunities along, along the way where they're being stretched, where they're being challenged, things that maybe are a little difficult for them, right? Whether it's like, hey, we're going to eat some solid foods, or hey, we're going to do potty training, or hey, we're going to crawl, or hey, we're going to walk, we're going to ride a bike, right? And each of those 
opportunities, we've designed it as parents so that as they're being stretched, they're going to teeter, right? They're going to wobble. And as a loving mom and dad, what do we do? We catch them when they fall, right? You can do it. (laughs) It's a little bit of what verse 15 is teaching us. That the God of Scripture has designed life in such a way that it's going to happen over and over in these hardships, these ups and downs, these global pandemics, individual and global challenges, that as we go through life, we're going to wobble, we're going to teeter. And as we go, as we fall, he's going to catch us. And that he's going to use those things as a means of his grace to draw us to himself. That's the gospel, right? His name is Jesus. That's why he's come. He's come to catch us. This is a number of years ago now, but a movie came out called Batman Begins, right? The origin story of Batman. And there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Bruce, little Bruce, like 10 years old, he's, he's playing in a well. He falls into a well. And so his dad comes into the well. He, you know, he gets Bruce. He brings him out of the well. And he's carrying little Bruce. And Alfred says to, to Bruce, he says to uh, Bruce, he says, took quite a fall, Master Bruce. Right, that English accent. Took, took quite a fall, Master Bruce. And the dad interjects and, uh, and says, that's right, Bruce. Why do we fall? And he says to his son, he says, we fall so that we might pick ourselves back up. So you know, that, that's, that's an American understanding of life, that pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You need to know that's not the gospel. God has not designed life in such a way that we fall so that we might pick ourselves back up. Right? God has designed life in such a way that when we fall, he's there to catch us, right? So I don't know where your story is. I don't know if you're watching online, you're here in person. Like no matter what has happened in your life, whether your fall has been a slip, whether it's been a stumble, or whether it's been a crash. Like the reason that fall is happening, it is a means of his grace to lift our eyes to him so that we reach out and we ask for his help. His name is Jesus. And when, when Jesus is there to catch us, he's not there to say, you should have tried harder. Pick yourself back up. It shouldn't have happened. The gospel, what Jesus says to us is, I took the greatest fall there ever was to take. I put it to death at the cross and I conquered it in the resurrection so that you can reach out to Jesus. He's there to catch us. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate the little things to the great things is because the gospel we have in Jesus. So we're going to celebrate communion this morning. If you've yet to believe in Jesus, then we ask you to hold off on coming forward. If you've yet to believe in Jesus, on some level, you simply think that you can pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But if you have believed in Jesus, even if today you believe in Jesus, we invite you to come. And the symbol of communion is that, uh, that, the, that, that, that the symbol of that juice, that his blood has been poured out at the cross. 
right? That his body has been broken at the cross so that we can celebrate. Amen. So you come. You come with lighter, lighter shoulders because Jesus has taken that weight. You can use these cups that are contained if you feel more comfortable or you pick up a cracker, you dip it in the juice and you celebrate. Will you close your eyes? Will you bow your heads with me? Well, Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. This morning is a celebration. There's a lot of things to stumble over right now. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And what we're celebrating is that there's no stumble that's too great for Jesus. So with that truth in mind, we invite every man, woman, and child that knows you and knows the life that is made known in you to dip that cracker, to pull back that seal, to drink and to celebrate. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. You come as you feel led.